Guys, I understand that this blended family stuff is not the easiest, but it is so important that we do not lose hope. Tyler Jones grew up experiencing firsthand the many nuances of the blended family, and he joins us during this episode to relay his experience as well as the power of hindsight. During the episode, he points out some of the things that his parents did great and some of the things that they could have adjusted. But most importantly, he reminds us of the significance of our role. Welcome to Blended. I am your host, Jeremiah Wallace, and my goal is to see blended families thriving. If you are navigating this experience, then you're in the right place. This podcast is purposed to provide support, information, and the encouragement that we need to fulfill our family's potential. Hello, Blenders. We have another fantastic, this might be a more fantastic episode than the ones we've had previously. I have a really good friend of mine, Tyler Jones, here with us. He is, just to you know, brag on him a little bit, he is a behavioral financial advisor as well as a fraternal insurance counselor for a member-owned organization named Thrivent Financial. And they've been amazing. My wife and I have been working with Tyler as well as his amazing team for almost two years now. I think I just looked that up. Um, and it's, it's just been an exceptional experience, not just to get our stuff in order as far as our finances, where we're headed in so many other realms, but also to do it with people that, again, are amazing, that really care and are invested. So let's go ahead and welcome Tyler. What's going on, bro? Yeah, thanks, brother. No, I I appreciate that. And you know, one of the things I love about you, Jeremiah, is the fact that you actually do some research about the people that you're talking to, (laughs) you know, so I I really appreciate that. And, and, you know, uh, all those letters after my name, they don't mean anything, but coming from your mouth, it means the world. So, so thank you for that. I really appreciate that. This is the first time I've, I've heard of a behavioral financial advisor. That's almost like an oxymoron, but it's just like, that's exactly what you do. (laughs) that that's that's pretty much it and you know it's it's so interesting because we always say there's two sides of money right there's the numerical side which is uh if any star trek fans out there that's you know uh i think it's spock who has no emotions and he's just all about the data right that's only one side of money there's a whole other side which is the behavioral psychological habitual uh, side of money that we don't really talk about a lot. So I, I really appreciate you, you know, highlighting the fact that, Hey, this is, this is a legit thing. And, and we help our clients every single day with, with those two different sides of money. So I, I really appreciate you doing the research on that, man. That, that That's awesome. Absolutely. Got to do it, man. Got to do it. Got to celebrate a little bit. And then uh, also you're here, um, not just because of what you do for work, but it's also in part because of your personal experience. You are familiar with what it means to navigate the blend because you grew up in an environment where blending was happening as your parents and family were going through that experience. So you have, and I, I love the title of this episode when I have, after having our conversations together, um, I just thought, man, this guy, he is, I feel like you've been wise for a really long time. Well, before you knew the definition of wisdom, you just have that. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. You exercised it 
while you were younger and now you are exercising hindsight for the sake of learning from yeah. where you came from as well as applying it in your family because you are a husband and a father and just in the daily life. So um, yeah, you talk about all the subjects is, is exciting. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'll say that I'm, I'm here first and foremost to talk about that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and talk about, you know, stock market returns, you know, for the next three hours, let me tell you about the power of, you know, compound interest, right? That That's not what this is about today. This, it just so happens to be that that's how you and I connected. And yeah. I really do love working with your family. You, you all have been a blessing uh, to, to our team. But yeah, for, first and foremost, I'm here to talk exactly about that blended experience. I, I feel like I have a unique story in the sense that here I am a kid of a blended experience now an adult and being able to look back like you said that hindsight yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that someone listening to this will just glean a few gold nuggets that that they can then use and you know I, working for a fortune 500 company I do have to say this that uh sorry just got to get the the legalese out of the way you know every everything everything i talk about here today is my personal experience and not necessarily thrivent's view uh you know i i just don't want people thinking that thrivent is a uh you know um a counseling uh service this is me taking off my thrivent hat and saying all right brother let's have some talks about about you know real life stuff but yeah. I just had to throw that disclaimer out there just in case, you know, uh, any lawyers are listening. <laughs> yes, sir. Safety first, then teamwork. But uh, that's right. <laughs> I'm excited about this conversation. And let's uh, go ahead and jump in. We mentioned that you grew up in this environment. So if you can briefly touch on what was the state of your family during the early years of development. Yeah, Absolutely. Blended is the right word. That's the that's the word that comes to mind, and it's it's perfect. You know, most I have a joke that say, you know, most people have a family tree. Well, I have a family orchard where there's like different trees and you know different types of fruit going on and all of that. Um, so for the first part of my childhood, I was raised by uh, my mom. So a single mom. When my dad found out that my mother was pregnant. She was 18 at the time. I believe he was 17. So very, very young. Um, my dad essentially just, for whatever reason, said, you know what, I don't think I can handle this. And he just left. Uh, my mother said, I'm going to take care um, of this little guy. And uh, so for pretty much almost all of my childhood, I was raised by a single mom. And I, I don't know exactly what age I was. I, I want to say I was nine, around there. Um, I did meet my dad at a park in Los Angeles, because that's, that's where I'm originally from. And my first words to my dad were, hey, dad, what's up? <laughs> and, you know, it, it, looking back at that, it was so interesting because as a kid, I just thought this is what all kids do right this is how all kids are introduced to their their dad i i didn't understand this concept that my mom was a single mom raising me and my dad had made the decision to you know leave and then come back and i'm very thankful for that that uh, that he did come back i also had an opportunity after spending some time with my dad to meet my little sister who is uh not even a year younger than me. Um, my dad went off when he 
left my mom. My dad went off and got, uh, he did take two. He got another girl pregnant and did the same thing. But I met my little sister at, this is totally going to date me. I met her at Peter Piper Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't even know if those are still around. I, I, I doubt that they are. But uh, I met her and I'll never forget it because it's the only time that I hit the jackpot on one of those little arcade games was when my little sister met me. And from that day forward, you know, my sister, she, we always laugh about it. She's like, you were the coolest big brother because you hit the jackpot and all those tickets, you know? And I think I got her like a, a stuffed dog or something like that, you know? And, and once again, though, I just thought, oh, cool. I have a little sister. I met her after I met my dad, um, different mom. And once again, I just kind of thought that this is how life was. I just thought this is how, you know, families were. And fast forward, you know, uh, several years later, my dad eventually does get married and he does have two more kids uh, with his now wife. They're, they're still married. And uh, so there's a total of four of us that we know of. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just par for the course. I just thought, you know, this is how it is. I, I did the whole weekend thing where I would go to my dad and stepmoms on the weekend and be with my mom during the weekdays or vice versa. You know how it goes. You know, sometimes you got to switch to reach uh, schedules. You know, they, they change. But that's really kind of a, a basic overview and, and setup of this family orchard that is, you know, my story. So, yeah, you know, that's that's kind of a basic overview. And it's such a unique experience because when I think, when I imagine you at nine years old, your perspective is totally different from another nine-year-old, even if the situation situations like mimic each other, essentially mm. growing up with a single mother and things of that nature, depending on the personality type and just the temperament of the individual. So, yes. you know, your experience was, hey, dad, how's it going? Another person's could be just you know, the bitterness and resentment or just distance and things of that nature. So it's just totally a unique experience. And let me add to that because I think you're absolutely right. And I think that if I had met my dad later on, like, let's say I met him when I was 28 mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I have kids of my own and I am married I think I might have had a little bit more bitterness. This is just me personally, because I would have understood a little bit more the gravity of what he had done. Yeah. And, and so I think you're totally right. All of those factors play into it. And I, I do thank God that, you know, I did meet him when I did. And it's interesting that you say that, you know, that bitterness and, and uh, you know, how temperament totally plays into that. I think one of the most important things this is hindsight that, that I later found out that my mom did was when my dad did come back and my dad said, I, I'm ready to be a part of Tyler's life. My mother in her wisdom made sure that my father understood that there is no going back after this. Mm -hmm. you, you, you can't leave, come back and then leave again. If If you want to come back, you have to stay. And I think that, you know, that, that was really important because I, I didn't harbor any of that bitterness or anything like that towards my father because he did stay. So all of that, all, all of that's totally relevant. And, and that's a good observation on your end for sure. 
Yeah, sounds yeah. like you were raised by a wise and strong woman. That's for sure. Oh man, we'll get into that, man. That's that's a whole two hour episode right there. <laughs> for sure, man. And that almost in part answers this question. As far as as you look back, do you see security? Do you see consistency? Do you see relational intimacy present in your home and accessible to you both? as you were under the roof of this single mother prior to meeting your dad and then following that occasion? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, it's it, here's why it's interesting, because it was actually the opposite. Um, you know, my here's what I mean by that. My mom, super wise, mm. uh, but also, also very, very strict. Mm. And... Um, my dad's household, on the other hand, was very much the opposite, where, you know, rules could be bent, and and it was more so of, tell me your thoughts, tell me your feelings, and what, what's going on in your mentality, in your mind right now, right? Um, and so, I think, to, to answer your question, I had emotional security in the fact that my, my father's household allowed me to voice my feelings and really allowed me to explore why I was feeling certain ways and, and you know, why I was thinking certain thoughts. And, and there, there was a lot of that emotional, um, I think you used a, a relational in, intimacy. Yeah. If I were, yeah, if I were to like peg which household provided that for me it i would actually say it was my 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 dad's household whereas my mom was the one who gave me that security um you know she man it's tough being a single parent i you know mom dad you know and everything in between you know it's really tough being a single person and raising a child and i think that my mom's experience because the fact that she you know, was left and, and, and abandoned, I think that that made her really, really conscious of safety. And so um, I felt a lot of safety at my my mom's place because she had boundaries, she had strict rules. And I would say that the relational intimacy was more so present in my father's household because of the fact that they did encourage those emotional connections. Um, and, and, you know, there's pros and cons to both. I think that's one of the blessings is that I did have both of those experiences. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I, uh, I wanted to join the military and I really appreciate, you know, uh, any active duty listening or any veterans really appreciate the service that they give to our country. And, but I think that for me and my experience, um, you know, I, I wanted that strict, um, you know, tell me what to do type of, of lifestyle, because that's what I knew from my mom's and my mom's household. And, you know, she, she going back to in her, her wisdom, you know, my mom's super wise. She, she's, she, she's awesome. Um, and she had the wisdom to put me in a program called, uh, USNSCC. And, and this is, this is not a plug for them, but I, you know, it's basically a JROTC program that you can do as, as middle school and high school. And, um, that was one of the things that, that made me feel secure was because there was something consistent that she would take me to, and she was a part of. So, you know, it's, it's not, 
it's not a one and done type of, uh, I guess, you know, security isn't a one and done type of thing, but rather as I look back, I saw my mom doing these things that, you know, made me feel secure, like taking me to those, you know, those events that, that I really wanted to be a part of and, and being consistent. Whereas my dad and stepmom came in more so with the, uh, the emotional side. So it really was a blessing to have both. Yeah. Again, you're just, you just continue to speak on how unique your circumstance was, man. And, uh, I love it. That's so good. Yeah. And based on this is, again, we're exercising that hindsight based on what you have experienced. You think about your childhood and what that consisted of, um, again, under the roof of the single mother, once, uh, you know, dad gets involved in all that, that encompassed based on what you've experienced. What do you think statistics indicate and where should you be as a result of maybe some of the things that you were exposed to? <laughs> yeah. You know, again, I'm not, I'm not a psychologist, so I don't claim to understand, you know, how the human mind works. Um, but if we're talking about what the statistics, you know, indicate, um, I don't have any, any, any facts, you know, to, to back this up, but what I've heard throughout my life mm-hmm. is that statistically speaking, you know, people who grow up in households without, um, a father tend to be more, they, they tend to be more likely to com- or, sorry, they tend to commit crimes yeah. more so, right. Than if they had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's a higher crime rate, you know. Um, I, I I think that um, I, I'm I'm thankful because again, you know, you you talk about this unique experience, but my my experience is unique because I had that single mom, no dad, and then had the dad later on. Yeah. Um. So I I think for my situation, when I look at the pattern that my father had he he would you know quote unquote fall in love with a girl get get her pregnant run away do the same thing right to to a different one and then um my dad actually did get married at one point um after my sister's mom i don't know if they had kids i don't think they did um but i think that looking at that pattern that my father established i think that when you look at that statistically speaking, I probably should have done the same thing. Um, you know, just emulate what my, my father was doing, but really the blessing in that in seeing that is realizing I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to repeat these patterns. And I I don't know at what point in my life the, the light bulb went off. Um, but, but the light bulb eventually did go off and it's probably because of my mother, um, I realized that I don't have to repeat what my dad did. I don't have to continue that chain. I can actually be the one to break that chain yeah. and, and start over, right? And, you know, I, I think that when, when you look at, here, here's how I can put it. When you look at the trajectory, or when I look at the trajectory of my life, I think that if I didn't have the support that I, that I eventually got, statistically speaking, I probably would have been, you know, either in prison or committed crimes or just done the same thing my dad did. Does that, does that make sense? 
It does. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's almost, it's almost the, uh, better late than never. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I don't know at what point that decision was laid at my feet to say, you know, uh, you know, I think of, of Morpheus in, in the matrix, right? Red pill, blue pill kind of thing. Right. I, I, I don't know at what point that option was offered to me or, or really, as I look back, I'm, I'm not really a hundred percent sure how I got to, um, that point where I could make that decision. But, but I think it, it really, <laughs> when I look at it, my sister is the same way. My, my, my sister, should have had multiple relationships, multiple kids with different partners. And yet she's been happily married for over seven years with three kids. One is a newborn. And, you know, I just look at that and I say, my goodness, you know, like, thank, thank God that we were offered that option at some point to say, do you want to continue the cycle or do you want to break it? I'm just not a hundred percent sure how that came about. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And w- what would you say as far as the program that you had mentioned that you were invested in as well as, again, your mom showing up consistently and just making sure that there's this expectation that you're going to be involved in this thing at this place and, and that functioning, obviously, in different capacities. But just how do you think that likely attributed to just your ability to make that right decision? that innate decision or move in that direction. Man, you, you, I love that question because it made me realize that that's probably an integral part of responsibility that I, that, that I was able to have because of the decisions that my mom made to put me in the USNSCC, United States Naval Sea Cadet Corps, because that whole, again, this isn't a plug for them, right? I mean, it's a great organization, but, um, but what it taught me was the fact that, hey, you are responsible for making sure that your haircut is within regulations. You are responsible for making sure that your shoes are shined, that, you know, I mean, I I remember being a kid and I was one of the only ones in in my school who knew how to iron because I had to iron, you know, my uniforms, right? Um, So that's a very great observation. I appreciate you making that because it makes me realize that that was probably an integral part where... I was able to, I was given the opportunity to exercise responsibility. And more importantly, I realized that there were consequences for not fulfilling those responsibilities. Yeah. If, if, if you were, you know, no one wanted to be the one guy in the unit, right? It, that had, had the haircut that wasn't to regs because everyone else would suffer because of that. That meant more PT, right? (laughs) Um, And so, you know, that's probably a a really uh, important piece of the puzzle where at a young age, I was able to say there's responsibilities and there's consequences for not fulfilling those responsibilities. And I think, you know, looking back, um, here's another piece of the puzzle that, you know, as we're thinking about this, um, looking back, I believe, and and, and talking with my mother about this, I believe that she understood the importance as a young man, she understood the importance of surrounding me with men that I could look up to, not not just my father. 
And I think there was a lot of wisdom in that, in, in putting me in front of, you know, other men to, to see, you know what, I need my son to see what is a good example and what might not be the best example and everything in between. And that organization allowed me to have that experience as well. So again, you know, not, not, not trying to, you know, steer people, (laughs) you know, I'm not trying to steer people towards that, but it might be something different for your blended, you know, people. It might be karate. It might be swimming. It might be gymnastics, but something that, that will instill this idea of responsibility and consequences. I think that that's a really important puzzle and, I really appreciate you giving me that insight because I hadn't thought yeah. of that before. <laughs> no, it's huge. It is huge because I know that when everything rises and falls on the advice or the instruction of a parent, it just doesn't hold after enough time, a sufficient mm-hmm. amount of time. They mature enough where they're just like, I don't know. I, I need to see and experience other things. I, when we have a community where adults, mentors, people that love our kids also are saying a lot of the same things that we're saying, guess what? Back home, we're going to hold a little bit more weight and Uh, there's going to be more security provided within our home based on what's the investment of the community um, and the responsibility to it. So that's good stuff, man. I like it. I like it. Um, No, thank you. Cause that was insightful for me. I'm over here. Like, you know, the light bulb went off. So thank you. You must be an electrician or something, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks man. (laughs) Yeah. For the record. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll uh, hop on to the next one. Uh, What are some things that you can think of uh, that your parents did correctly? Oh man. (sighs) A lot. They, Another disclaimer here, right? I'm, as you mentioned earlier, I'm a parent. I've got uh, my my little guy. He's four four years old, and my little girl. She's uh, she's one. Um, I am not claiming to be a perfect parent. Uh, you know, I, I still have so much that that I need to learn. Um, but I think it is important to look back and say, you know, I really love what my mom did here. I really love what my dad did here, and and you know, maybe examine some areas that I could say, ah, maybe they should have done things a little bit differently in, in, in this area. And as I look back, there's two separate households. Therefore there's two separate, um, I guess, analysis, uh, going on. Mm-hmm. And when I look at the thing that stands out to me with my, with my experience with my mom's household, talking about this blended experience, the thing that stands out to me is I think something she could have done a little bit differently was waiting to introduce me to her potential partners until those potential partners were solid or, you know, um, how do I say, what's the best way to say this? I, I, I met a lot of different guys in my mom's uh, you know, household that were just kind of boyfriends, friends, you know, that, that kind of thing. And I think that it was tough as a, as a kid and and even as later on as a teenager, you know, to see these different guys who some were really great, some were not so great. And, you know, thankfully nothing super traumatic ever happened you know, like there, there were, there were no super traumatic experiences, but I think that, you know, as, as a kid, 
being introduced to one person and then that person's no longer there is, you know, I think that that makes it difficult for, for a kid because, you know, well, wait a minute, I really like this person. Why isn't that person here anymore in my life? And then, oh, well, here's another one. Here's the new one. And, and that doesn't mean that as a, as a blended, you know, family, that doesn't mean that if you're, in, in my opinion, if you're a single parent, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't go out and, and be dating and try, you know, trying to find someone if that's what your, your desire is. I think simply what it means is just wait to introduce that potential partner. Just, just give it some time, you know, I, I, because I think that if you can give it time and you realize, you know what, this person that I'm, I'm dating, you know, it's getting really serious. You know, I think that there's a lot of wisdom in, in solidifying that relationship before you bring that relationship to your kids. Does that make sense? Absolutely. 100%. Because I think it's difficult. I think it's difficult for, you know, kids need consistency, right? At least from what I've seen in raising my, my children. And that was something that I think she, she could have done a little bit differently, you know, was just kind of had a, a longer process to introduce me to people because then that would remove the possibility of just losing those relationships, you know, willy nilly and just, okay, on to the next one kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I think that that's something she could have done differently. Um, you know, so, so not to pick on my mom, let's pick on my, on my dad and my stepmom now here. Right. Um, you know, I think one of the observations that I made growing up, uh, with my, my dad and stepmom, and, and I don't know the whole story because some of my siblings have a different, uh, moms. And, and again, you, you never know there's two sides to every story, but I think one of the things that my father and, and, and stepmom could have done a little bit differently was really respecting boundaries that were put in place from one of my siblings, uh, parents. And, you know, I, I just remember this very, very vividly you know, one of my siblings had the rule of no PG-13 movies in the household, right? Like that was a boundary that my sibling's parents said, I don't want that to be viewed, you know, by my, by my child. And again, I don't know the whole story, but you know, from, from what I saw, my father and, and stepmom completely disregarded that boundary. And we're watching things that would have crossed that boundary and, and not just, not just watching it, you know, themselves, but rather forcing my sibling to break that boundary that was established in, you know, the, the other household. Yeah. And, and I, you know, again, I don't know the full story and, and, you know, that's, that's, it, it could be worse, right? It could be a lot worse as far as the boundary, crossing goes. But I think that from my point of view and what I experienced, seeing my father and my stepmom cross that boundary, I think that that's something that they absolutely could have done differently was to respect that boundary that was put in place from the other household, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So th- th- those are, I mean, we could go, yeah, yeah we, could, we could go on and on, but I think that if, if I were to nail it down to some of the main differences that I think would have improved my situation a little bit. I think it'd be those two things from those two separate households for sure. 
Awesome. Well, let's go into the other side. Um, and I know you, you've talked on just your ability to achieve relational intimacy with your dad's side and just what that's considered, which is, uh, you know, my mind is fairly blown. This typically doesn't happen with the men, especially after they've been gone for a while. You're just, <laughs> you're kind of a unicorn <laughs> situation. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, I'll take it, man. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's that. And then you've obviously been boasting of your mother and every sh- everything she's been. Um, so if you can kind of pinpoint maybe a couple of small things that they did well or correctly that mm. attributed toward your health and development. Yeah. So I think first and foremost, I, I think I alluded to this a little bit earlier what what something my mom did that was r- just really wise was understanding that as a young man i needed to have role models that i could look up to and you know really seeing hey this is what it means to uh be a a man right and i'm thankful that Although, although my mom did introduce me to a lot of different potential partners, she also had things that were super consistent, um, like the uh, USNSCC thing. I, I had a lot of male role models that I was able to look up to in that. Um, my grandfather, who my mom encouraged me to spend a lot of time with, uh, she was a, a really uh, important cheerleader in that relationship between my myself and and my grandfather. Um, And I think the other thing, again, I alluded to this a little bit earlier that she did really well, was the fact that she wanted my dad to be in my life because she understood the importance of that. But she also said, listen, you know, she laid down that line in the sand to to my dad. And she was intentional and said, if you, uh, she said this, this is what she told me, um, that she was very, very intentional with my father and letting him know the only way that she would allow my father to come back into my life is if he never left ever again. And so I think, you know, what my mom did really well was understanding the fact that I did need those, those male role models in my life, whether it was through USNSCC, my grandfather, and even my own father. So that was really... Um, important there. Um, some things that my dad and stepmom, in my opinion, you know, as I look back, did really well, I would say really being intentional with conversations and, and being open, you know, to, uh, having uncomfortable conversations, you know, that, uh, and, and, and really challenging, uh, my beliefs because my my mother raised me in the faith and my father and stepmom uh, d- did not they're 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 on the opposite side of the spectrum and I think you know having those conversations with them about why do you believe what you believe and 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 you know really causing me to go deep in conversations is where I got that relational intimacy from from them um, but I think it was really great as well you know, something that they did really well was the fact that they did challenge me in my belief. In a way, but really a, a deep intellectual, uh, in, in a deep and intellectual manner, th- th- that was something that they, they did really, really well. 
Um, they encourage these conversations to happen, you know, and, and looking back, those conversations and that, that way of thinking and really talking out my emotions and, and feelings bled over, not just into my dad and stepmom's relationship with me, but that eventually bled over into my relationship with my wife, uh, my relationship with my friends, with, with clients. Um, <laughs> and as I look back, you know, I'll never forget my sister and I having these really, really in-depth conversations, you know, from 9 p.m. all the way until like 1 a.m. sometimes, right? And, and, and I attribute those conversations and, and uh, back to my father and stepmom being the ones that really fostered those. So, yeah, yeah I think, you know, all, all things, you know, all negatives aside, they, they, they did those, those things really, really well. And I'm very thankful for the things that they did well on, for sure. That's awesome. Love it, man. Um, well, you know, we're adults and we are on the other side of our childhood experience. And when you get married, when you are a parent, when you are in the midst of whether a blended family or separation chaos, just that there are so many circumstances, whether we're on the mountaintop or in the valley, so many things that we endure and we have an opportunity to take the red pill or the blue pill Mm -hmm. and i want to ask you in your opinion what keeps parents and adults in general from being able to identify issues that do a disservice to themselves and or others this is a little bit of a Mm two-parter um and then upon identifying them, making an effort to change their behaviors or their circumstances, what kind of keeps parents or adults from, from doing such things? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think the, the first part, right? What, what prevents adults from being able to identify, you know, all those factors that you just said and where my mind goes, is to one of my one of my favorite authors. Um, he's got a really unique name. His name's Ogbandino, and um, you know one of his quotes that's one of my favorites is, uh, "What is success other than a state of mind? Which two among a thousand wise men will define success in the same words? Yet failure is always described but one way. Failure is mankind's inability to reach its goals in life, whatever they may be." And then my favorite, this is, that's kind of the setup, but but here's my favorite part of this quote. In truth, the only difference between those who have failed and those who have succeeded lies in the difference of their habits. Good habits are the key to all success. Bad habits are the unlocked door to failure. The the, the key word here is is habits, in in my humble opinion. And I think... When, when we look at what is preventing parents, adults from identifying those factors that might be causing them to, to be limited in their parenting and their relationships with others, you know, all, all of that, I think we first have to look at what is our current, what are the current habits that we have in place? And I've, I've, I call this habit the day-to-day effect. I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but the day-to-day effect is is a habit that we that I believe we as Americans tend to live in more so than live out of. And and here's what the day-to-day effect is. It's just going through life. And you know, 
coordinating logistics. Hey, what time is soccer practice? Oh, hey, don't, don't forget that I need you to pick up the groceries this week instead of me. Also, what are we having for dinner tonight? Oh, by the way, the check engine light on the minivan came back on. And when was the last time we changed the oil on that thing anyways, right? Uh, also, the dog surgery. Are we doing the dog surgery or are we not doing the dog surgery, right? Because like, we, we got to talk about that. Also, I talked to my uncle the other day and he said that we probably should have a will in place. Oh, also, wait a minute, wait a minute. The kids, you know, little Johnny's birthday party is this weekend. I thought it was next weekend, right? I, I, I think that we get so caught up in just day-to-day life and logistics that we, when, when is the last time that we actually sat down, put the phone down, turned off the television, turned off whatever, you know, we're listening to, except for the blended podcast, always, always listen to that, right? But, but you know, like, like when was the last time that we actually just, just took time to actually stop and say, you know what, I need to just slow down and I need to have some thinking time. I think that's the biggest limitation on our, at least in my experience, it's the biggest limitation on us actually identifying what those core factors are that are preventing us from moving forward in our relationships. And, you know, it's a hard habit to break, especially in in today's society. I think we're going a million miles an hour. But I really, I really do believe it's the hustle and bustle and the busyness of day-to-day life that prevents us from actually sitting, sitting down and identifying, hey, what, what, what are these issues that are, that are going on, right? You know, w- one of the things that um, I find so fascinating is the fact that there's been no, t- in my opinion, and I'm not a historian, but from, from my limited knowledge of what I do know, There's been no time in human history, right, that we have had so much information at our fingertips, whether it's through our our tablets, our phones, whatever it might be. You know, we we live in the information age, right? Um, There's never been this time where we can look up how to build a rocket ship online and also look how to change an alternator on that, you know, uh, or how to change the oil on the van that we talked about earlier, right? There's never been a time in, in human history where we have this amount of information at our fingertips, I think sometimes though it can be information overload and it eventually all this information becomes, you know, what some people have called white noise, where it's just all, all this information's floating around in our head. We need to take time to actually sit down and identify what are, what, what are the roles that we have in our lives? And I, I've made it a habit and, you know, if someone would take this, I think it would really help them in their day-to-day weekly living. I've made it a habit myself to sit down on Sunday nights before I begin my week. And I actually use a day planner. I'm old school. I, I use a pen and, and paper day planner. <laughs> it's totally old school. And, you know, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, and, and it's funny though, because sometimes I can't read my own handwriting. I'm like, what, what does this say? Right. Um, so got to talk about slowing down. Right. Um, but, but I, I do this every Sunday night where I take time intentional. That's the key word is intentional time. And I sit down and I list out the top five roles that I have in my life. And I, I do it in, in, in order of what I believe to be order of importance. And and number one role that I have in my life is a Christ follower. That is my number one role that, that I have. 
Um, my second one is a husband to my wife. That's the second most important role that I have. And then I have two more roles, being a father to my son, Jackson, and being a father to my daughter, Isabel. Those are two separate roles. They, they, you know, they, they're one and the same. You know, most people just say father, but, but no, I have to understand that I have a role in my son's life and I have a role in my daughter's life. Those are two separate things. And, and then, you know, following that is my role as a financial advisor and my role as a business owner and my role as a manager for, for, you know, my team and, 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 uh, you know, people who, who are following our, our lead. Right. And so I think being able to sit down and, you know, again, intentionally sit down, turn everything off and intentionally say, identify what are my roles first and foremost. And then in each role, I list out three to five things that I could do in this week to help further that role, to help move that role forward. So for instance, you know, as a Christ follower, it's to read, you know, a couple chapters of scripture. It's to make intentional time in, in my prayer life, right? As, uh, as, as my role as a husband, I literally will write down by Krista, my wife flowers, just because, you know, like that's something that I can do, you know, uh, read, uh, listen to a podcast on relationships, whatever it might be, but being intentional with every single one of those roles, because otherwise my role as a, you know, um, uh, as a mechanic, right. Could overtake my role as a father to my son, Jackson, right. My role as right. A a fill in the blank as a pet owner could overtake that. So I think it's important for us to number one, take intentional time to identify our roles that we have. And then number two, just, just write down a couple. It doesn't need to be three to five, but write down some things that you personally can do to make intentional time to further those roles and make those roles move forward. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that's what's worked for me. That's fire, man. It really is. And it is uh, everything. Our outcomes are a result of whatever the habitual practice consisted of. It's not, you know, the childhood trauma. It's not the childhood success or whatever. All those those, those things tend to dictate uh, what we're capable of doing or what we don't have access to. They can kind of suggest such things, but it does come a point and that's why i said specifically adults we are Mm. mature we've entered a state of maturation legally as well as we have the ability to be mature emotionally mentally and and we have therefore an opportunity to address and then change our habits to you know move closer to the outcomes that we want we all have outcomes we all have desires that tend not to be where we are in this given moment. It's rare. You're absolutely, (laughs) totally. And and that is why, you know, this is one of my favorite quotes that's really guided my life, which is, you know, going back to Agmandino, which two among a thousand people are going to define success in the same way? Your, your success might look different than mine, but what can we all agree on? We can all agree on failure. And, And in my opinion, failure in going back to what you said, failure is, is not making the choice to do something differently. It's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. We have the, we have 
the ability to choose to do life differently and to do something differently. So you're, you're a hundred percent. I agree with that man. A hundred percent. And that, that, that's yeah. very well said, man. Yeah. And then the, nobody said it's going to be easy. Nobody said it's going to be. Yeah. You've ever seen. Yeah. You, you ever seen that meme where it's like, you know, uh, how I think my plan's going to go. And it's like a little stick figure on like a bicycle. Okay. Right. <laughs> and it's just a straight line. And then it's like on the bottom is like how it actually goes. And there's like spikes and pits and sharks yeah. flying, you know, and you know, th- th- that's really, we, we got to acknowledge that we have to be intentional and it's not going to be easy. Right. Because I'll tell you, man, when you set the expectation of, oh, this is going to be easy. And then guess what? When it's not, you're more likely to give up because your, your, your perception is wrong. Right. And so I, I, dude, I totally agree with that, man. That's, that's well said. Yeah. It's good stuff. Well said, well said by you, man. That's fire. Um, and before we get you out of here, um, because you are a financial advisor, we want some advice. Uh, If you could speak on the five values journal, um, journey, excuse me, that that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this goes, this goes back to the behavioral side of finances that we talked about earlier. So, you know, take off your Spock, you know, whatever he is, is he Vulcan? I don't know what he is, but you know, take that hat off. Right. And, and all numbers aside, we're, we're not going to talk about numbers. We're just going to talk about the behavioral side um, of, of not just finances, but also something that I think blended families could really benefit from. Not, it, it, this applies to finances, but it also applies to family life. So one of the exercises that we have our clients go through is when we're first meeting with them, I'll ask them, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Client, um, got a quick question for you. If I were to ask both of you, you know, uh, mom and dad, if I were to ask you, I want you to write down what are your top five values that your family shares and that you are working towards together. I want you to write those down on a piece of paper. Don't, don't talk, right? Don't, don't say, Oh, what are you writing? Right. Don't cheat. Right. But I want you to write down what those five values are. And the response that I normally get is blank stares and, and five totally different answers. And so one of the exercises that we have uh, some of our clients go through is, Hey, look, we want you to look at this, look at a list of, you know, 50 to 60 different values everywhere from, you know, health, wealth, religion, uh, you you know, um, stewardship, right? Look at all these values and really come together and pray about this and talk amongst yourselves and get on the same page with five values that you are working together as a family unit on, right? And, and the thing I love about this exercise is the fact that when clients come back, number one, they're really excited because, you know, they're, they're on the same page now. And n- number two is I love seeing all of the different values that different families have. I mean, you know, you'll have one family that has the value of adventure or, you know, spontaneity, like spontaneous, right? And then another family that has security, right? And safety, right? And that's important to them, right? And I love seeing that because now the family that that has adventure as a top five value, well, now guess what? When 
mom and dad have a decision to make when it comes, you know, to doing something with the family or, you know, they're talking about family dynamics. Well, now you have one of your values is adventure. So guess what? We're going to make a decision to go on a small adventure. We're going to go on a hike or we're going to, we're going to do something, right? The point is, if you have five values that you and your partner can always keep at the forefront of decisions that you make or that you're, you're, you're moving towards, it's a lot easier to make, it's, it's a lot easier to make sure that the decisions that you make are in alignment with one of those five values. Yeah. Right. So, so for instance, you know, one of, one of our five family values is discipleship. Um, and, and that means that we, our family needs to be discipled, but we also value discipling other people. And that means going out and spending time together in the word and pouring into someone that might have questions, right? And so when we have an opportunity that comes our way, we as a family, my, my wife and I can say, hey, this opportunity that's, that, that's put in our path, does it fall in line with one of our five values? And one of those is discipleship. When we get someone who's new to the faith or someone that has questions, we will, we will make sure that our family spends intentional time with those individuals or those family, those family, right? But the point is, I think, again, we go, the day-to-day effect takes over and we're just trying to tread above water. But if we can have these five values as almost, as almost a compass, that's the best way that I can put it, a yeah. compass to always be guiding you know, your decisions that you make, I think that's really helpful. And one more thing, I know I'm rambling here, but, um, (laughs) okay, ramble on, ramble on. Um, one, if we're talking specifically about blended family experiences, um, I think it would be really helpful for our blended families, right. To do a couple things. I think it'd be really helpful if you and your spouse, partner, whoever, right. If you create five, five values for your household and then relate, I I know it might seem cheesy. You're going to feel like, you know, uh, super cheesy doing this, but I think once you establish and if you establish your five values, share those five values with the other household, with your, with, with the other household, um, I really think that that's important. And again, you're going to feel super cheesy doing it like, Hey, here are our five values. Right. But, but I think it's important because that gives the other household an opportunity to see what's important for your household and also maybe respect some of those boundaries that fall in line with those five values. Because, because I think, you know, some, some of your blended families, might have one household that values a relationship with God and one that doesn't really care about that. But if, if you as a household, if one of your values is, you know, faith or religion, right? Call it whatever you want. But if you can, if you can take that value and relay that value to the other household, now you've given them an opportunity to respect that boundary or that the importance that you have uh, placed on faith or whatever it might be, right? And so I would really encourage, especially our blended families, because blended families have different challenges than, you know, a traditional mom and dad and three kids. Um, I think that if, if you as a blended family can establish those five values and relay that, it's just going to 
over communication, right? Communication is key to our blended families. And so I really encourage people, you know, listening to this. And if you're a blended family, get those five values because that's one step that you can take towards really establishing good boundaries, communication, and it's going to help you align the decisions that you make in your own household. Because the reality is we can only control our own households that, that, you know, that, that God has given us. We can only control our households. Uh, we can't control what other people do. Right. So I, I really hope that people take that. And if, if they get anything out of this, you know, what seems like a 50 minute, uh, ramble session, right. Um, if, I, 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 I hope that they can, they can do something very similar to this at least. And what I have found is I always love trying to take something that might be a challenge and flipping it to see how it can be, you know, something that's positive as a blended kid myself growing up in that, I, I look back and, and I say, you know, if my, if my mom had established five values in her household and my dad had established five values in their household, well, guess what? As a blended kid, I actually have an advantage now because now I have two separate households. I actually have 10 values that I can compare, right? Whereas with a traditional family, my, my son and my daughter, they only have five values, right? I mean, we could add more, right? But, but point being, blended families listening out there, if you can, if you can establish five values in your household and then your blend, the other household follows suit, realize that now your, your child has an experience where they get five different views and five different values and not saying I'm perfect, but I think that's why I'm, I'm a little bit more rounded than, yeah. uh, than, than just a traditional, you know, than, than, than other people is because I had, whether or not my mom established those five values and my dad established those five values, they were at play and they were at work, which is why I have my blended experience. Uh, yeah. and, it, and it really is helpful. So, man, Great success. I appreciate you, bro. And according to you, there is a, a resource, a five values resource that will be provided either in the description or uh, you can go on to blended or navigatingtheblend.com and then I'll have it up on one of our blog posts. But five values, it's incredible and it, it's a game changer. I actually did that. My wife and I, as far as our values, I believe we matched three or four out of our five because nice. we've, uh, we've had the conversation previously. Um, but it's important. It makes all the difference. And thank you for providing your lowdown, not just concerning the values, but concerning your experience, man. Uh, Absolutely. Hindsight. So awesome, man. Thank you. No, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, appreciate you, brother. And, and thanks for letting me come on here and uh, ramble for, uh, for, for that long. <laughs> One hundred percent, man. I can't wait for the next time you hop on here and you uh, ramble up another store, man. All right, brother. All right, don't tempt me, man. I'll see you in the next one. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you heard something throughout the episode that could make all the difference. Please take a moment to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of that blended goodness. Episodes are up and running on the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. Until then, do not settle for anything less than what's possible.